This is The Guardian. Today, why has the Labour Party turned nasty? Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Have Labour and Conservatives entered a new era of gutter politics? Conservatives have dismissed as vile and gutter politics This is gutter politics, isn't it? The advert starts with a question that to most people in this country would seem rhetorical. Do you think adults convicted of sexually assaulting children should go to prison? The answer given below it is confounding. Rishi Sunak doesn't. This is a message that the Labour Party has been spreading on social media and that's been viewed tens of millions of times. That the current Conservative Prime Minister is so soft on crime that he wants paedophiles to get away unpunished. When Keir Starmer was elected as Labour leader, he said he'd never engage in these sorts of personal attacks. But not opposition for opposition's sake. I'm not going to score party political points. And yet, three years later... Starmer's launched an ad campaign that even some senior members of his own party say they can't defend. The adverts left a sour taste in the mouth of several Labour figures too. The former Shadow Chancellor, John MacDonald, said his party was better than this. Ahead of the local elections next month, we'll be seeing lots more of these Labour ads. Of course, Starmer is gambling that his tough talk will appeal to people who usually vote Conservative. But as Jessica Elgott, The Guardian's deputy political editor, says, it could also push away some of the party's supporters. I think undoubtedly there will be plenty of Labour voters and Labour members who feel like this kind of thing is disappointing, especially if you're trying to go out there and campaign as the party of integrity, the party that, you know, rises above the kind of Tory squabbling, the Tory infighting, the dirty Tory tactics that are used. You always have those risks of those knock-on effects if you decide to take this approach. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus... Is Labour's attack ad campaign worth the gamble? Jessica Elgar, you're The Guardian's deputy political editor, and you've been following what's happened since Labour started unveiling these new campaign ads at the end of last week. For anybody who hasn't seen that first one that garnered so much attention, can you just describe what it looks like and, and what it says? Yeah, so the first advert, which is the one that drew all the kind of negative attention, was a picture of Rishi Sunak with that famous Sunak signature on it, which which Sunak himself has used in campaigns. And it suggested that Rishi Sunak does not believe adults convicted of sexually assaulting children should go to prison and then basically pointing to the Tory record on, on offenders avoiding jail. I mean, there's obviously a lot to unpick in, in that, in that clearly Rishi Sunak believes in 
adults convicted of sexually assaulting children should go to prison. But it was incredibly personalised. A lot of people felt like, particularly with scandals there's been around grooming gangs that it was personalizing something against a politician of south asian descent and there was dog whistle racism implications in that and i think it just struck people as a really vivid change of tone from labor and the way it's campaigning especially as Keir Starmer has kind of built himself up to be this master of integrity it felt quite jarring and they've you know made the news for so many days, but I'm not 100% sure it's making the news only positively for Labour in terms of, well, at least it's getting their message out there. Because I don't think anyone really thinks that Rishi Sunak believes that child sex offenders shouldn't be in prison. It sounds like a ludicrous thing to say. And it's been criticised by people inside and outside the Labour Party, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and so it started to draw social media criticism from sort of lots of prominent commentators who sort of expressed some, some shock at it. And then it began to draw some criticism from Labour MPs. Then it really expanded and, and you saw the, the former Home Secretary, David Blunkett, say that it made him feel appalled to see those adverts. And there's clearly some discomfort within the shadow cabinet. Lucy Powell, who's the shadow culture secretary, who was on the radio the day afterwards, was asked repeatedly about it, suggested it wasn't the language that she uh, would have used, but ultimately didn't disown them. Well, what I stand by is what that graphic is trying to show, which is the prime minister of our country is responsible for the criminal justice system of our country. And currently, that criminal justice system is not working. Okay. We've got and since then, Labour have brought out more ads in this series suggesting Rishi Sunak doesn't care about gun crime, that he doesn't think thieves should be punished, for example. Yeah, I mean, it seems now that there is certainly a sort of a theme that um, Labour are going to, to use as part of their campaign in the run up to the local elections in early May. So there's been very similar adverts. We've also seen one earlier this week as Labour moves on to sort of cost of living on Rishi Sunak's wife, her tax status, and essentially him being the Chancellor that put up taxes uh, while his wife had a, a status that allowed her to avoid paying some taxes while she's living here. So so yes, I mean, it's a, it's a very deliberate strategy. And on Tuesday morning, Pat McFadden, who's the um, Shadow Chief Secretary to the Treasury, made it very explicit what the strategy is. We're not going to accept that British politics is just about a new leader of the Conservative Party every year or two who pretends that everything before didn't exist and that it's year zero. That's not the case. Politics can do better than that. And that's what these ads and our campaign is all about. Yeah, but you can't be saying that... The most powerful thing that... Labour can say about the Conservatives is 13 years. That's the thing that comes up in focus groups all the time. 75% of people say that it's time for a change in the most recent polling. This idea that it's time for change, that it's riskier to stick with the Tories than to change and go with Labour because of the failures of the past 13 years. And the biggest barrier to landing that message, which I think resonates with people pretty strongly, is Rishi Sunak because he's a new prime minister, you know, he's, he's actually wasn't even elected when David Cameron and, and George Osborne first came to power. So actually, he is seen as a bit of a new broom. He's very different to Boris Johnson, very different to Liv's trust. And his own personal ratings are not too bad comparatively. 
One clear problem with that first ad is that it takes the data range back to 2010, which is before Rishi Sunak was in government. Aside from whether he should be held accountable, what has the Conservatives' record on crime been like in the past 13 years? So obviously there are major problems with crime and with law and order and with particularly conviction rates in lots of crimes that Labour want to draw attention to. So the big one that, you know, has had a lot of focus in recent years has been violence against women, particularly because of so many concerns about the Met Police. I mean, child sexual abuse, which is the target of the first ad, convictions have fallen by 45% sort of in the second half of the last decade. And there's been obviously huge reductions to budget, the Ministry of Justice budget, but not just that, but to youth services budgets, victim support services during that period. And we're also seeing, you know, enormous rises in the number of victims who initially report cases uh, and then drop them before they get to court because there's about 60,000 Crown Court cases waiting to be heard. Some serious trials are being pushed back years before we would even get to court and plenty of people eventually just decide that the thing they want to do is move on with their lives rather than live in limbo and you know lots of those terrible examples in the louise casey report into the metropolitan police one says rape convictions are so bad it may as well be legalized there are stories of rape tests being ruined because of broken fridges and i don't think it's a left-right issue to feel concerned about that On Sunday, Keir Starmer defended the ad in a column for the Daily Mail. He said, I make absolutely zero apologies for being blunt about this. I stand by every word Labour has said on the subject. Firstly, why is he writing an opinion piece for a right-wing newspaper? And secondly, why do you think he's defending this approach so hard when so many people, even within his party, are criticising it? I think one of the reasons why they will have chosen the mail is, first of all, it's a way of getting on top of the agenda in a paper that's likely to have otherwise put a very negative uh, splash about him on on their front page that day. And it's also the thinking behind that they have a big message to land on crime and antisocial behaviour. The male audience that's quite interested in that feels strongly about that. And it's obviously also an attempt to bring it back to the issue itself, which is that people feel like uh, plenty of crimes have essentially become decriminalised by the lack of attention that the police seem to give them, particularly violence against women. So they are delighted with how this has landed and that it's still being talked about almost a week after it happened. They want to show that they can be as ruthless as the Conservatives. As you say, the rhetoric of being tough on crime has always been a mainstay of Conservative politics. Why are Labour adopting that line? I think Labour sees an opportunity to talk about areas where Labour has been traditionally quite seen as weak by the public because of who Keir Starmer is and because of his background. So because he was the director of public prosecutions, has a record of prosecuting, as he often tells us all, terrorists and rapists and murderers and some of the most high profile cases in the country, then he's able to talk about crime without sounding squeamish about it. When I was director of public prosecutions, we formed cross-border teams to deal with, you know, drugs being taken over uh, borders, guns being taken over borders. 
But I think one of the things that feels missing from the way that Labour's talked about crime in the past is, you know, that very famous phrase, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. Which Tony Blair said. Yes. And which Keir Starmer has echoed um, a few times in speeches. Tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. Now, you've heard that before, but it's right. Is there polling around how much this tough on crime rhetoric actually appeals to Labour voters? Well, I think it's all in sort of in your question there in that um, it, it doesn't appeal to Labour voters. It can, appears to Conservative voters and they're the people that Labour's trying to trying to win over. I mean, if you look at the, the scale of the task that Labour has to do to win an election, the vast, vast majority of votes must come directly from Conservative voters. So, of course, they want to try and find ways to reassure disillusioned Conservative voters who might be angry with the Tory record on the economy, particularly, that they are a safe party to vote for. Keir Starmer makes the argument that he's to be trusted on crime because he was Director of Public Prosecutions from 2008 to 2013. Shouldn't he be worried, though, in going so strongly with that line that the Conservatives are going to dig through his record to criticise him for what he achieved in that role. I think, obviously, there are big, big risks for Starmer. It opens up the fact that he is unable to detach himself from decisions that were made around the DPP. The most distasteful one, of course, relates to whether Jimmy Savile should have been charged when he was alive. Instead, Mr Speaker, this, this leader of the opposition, a former... Director of Public Prosecutions, Mr. Speaker, he spent most of his time prosecuting journalists and failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile. A smear that Keir Starmer found particularly difficult and distasteful and also led to kind of personal abuse. So he must be prepared to continue to open himself up to that kind of criticism if he's going to defend this kind of tactics against Rishi Sunak. Starmer has struggled in the past to respond. Um, when the Conservatives have made pointed personal attacks on him, hasn't he? Yes, and I think that about this time last year, I think this this current team around Keir Starmer got what was their first real taste of that kind of relentless negative campaigning, and that was around Beergate. Grainy footage from inside the Durham Miners' Hall. Does this phone camera film show the Labour leader working... Or did pandemic rules mean it was illegal socialising? And they were very, very unprepared for it. They had, you know, kind of no real response to it at all, apart from to try and ignore it. And I remember speaking to several people in there who were very frustrated by the fact that Starmer himself and people around him didn't seem to see the risks of it coming until far too late, until the police announced they were reopening it. And, you know, Labour never hit back with anything of their own until pretty late on. And so I think they are now absolutely paranoid about that sort of thing happening again. And the lesson that several of them seem to have taken from it is that we have to fight on those terms too. Since those first ads focusing on crime, 
Labour have been launching more, focusing on how Sunak is managing the economy. And as part of that, they've done an ad criticising Sunak's wife, Akshata Murthy, for being non-domiciled, i.e. she doesn't pay tax in the UK. How's that gone down? I mean, I think now there's sort of less of a direct outrage about these attacks on on a kind of day-to-day basis because Labour's you know, made it very clear that it's going to continue to do them. When I first spoke to some Labour strategists about Rishi Sunak as Prime Minister and about whether the party would use Sunak's wealth as a means of kind of targeting him, they seemed a bit more squeamish about it and suggested that actually potentially things like the non-dom status of his wife were easier to attack because he had put taxes up. But, you know, they seem slightly going after his own personal wealth, his own personal privilege. You know, the fact that he uses a helicopter to commute to and from his constituency at his own expense, you know, that sort of thing, maybe they would feel, you know, less like was really a a legitimate target. And I think we may well see more personalised attacks that are endorsed by the you know, the highest politicians in Labour that do focus on that extraordinary personal wealth and what that means about him being, you know, an out-of-touch politician who's not able to connect with the real struggles that people are facing in in the economic conditions that, you know, Labour would say the Tories have created. Jess, wouldn't the public find it more useful to have Labour say, here are our carefully thought-out policies rather than have these kind of headline-grabbing, highly personalised attacks. And I think that the argument of that was that there are are quite a lot of policies, you know, around increasing police officers, around, you know, changing the way that police procurement works in order to free up budgets for neighbourhood policing. But none of that is hugely eye-catching and none of that massively captures the public's imagination in the run-up to a local election campaign. So in the, the next March budget, they expect to be a really big Tory giveaway budget, and that only then can Labour really put out its most important policies. And until then, it's still all about vibes and language. <laughs> I don't want to ever hear Starmer say vibes. Please tell me he's not saying it's all about the vibes. Well, and I think politics is often about vibes, right? Uh, and suddenly the wrong ones can really catch the public imagination. Coming up, how nasty could Labour's campaigning get in the run-up to the next general election? Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. 
Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Jess, it's a classic tactic for politicians to use personal attack ads. You know, people might remember the doctored image of Tony Blair with demon eyes in 1997, or maybe, you know, for for real politics nerds out there, Labour's attack on Nick Clegg as the uncredible shrinking man in 2014. This is the story of Nick Clegg, a man entrusted by a nation to act upon the policies he proposed. But he soon became the uncredible shrinking man. How effective do these sorts of ads tend to be? I think it's a very well-worn political tactic. If you can tap into that, it's very dirty political campaigning, but often it captures the public imagination. And of course, we saw absolute volume of negative campaigning around Jeremy Corbyn some of the stuff that, that Tory MPs were put about about Jeremy Corbyn was obviously false. Labour had, has had, you know, obviously tried to pin personal things on Boris Johnson and Liz Truss. And with Sunak, I think they've always felt like there is an easy personal attack to be made on Sunak, which is essentially his wealth as the Chancellor who put taxes up for people. When Keir Starmer was elected as Labour leader in 2020, he talked a lot about bringing honesty back into politics. And he said that he wasn't going to engage in tit-for-tat attacks on the opposition. Do you think he's a different leader now to who he was back then? I think to a certain extent, lots of this comes from a sudden desperation to win within Labour. So they see it within their sights. They think it's the moment they can't throw away. And so, of course, your strategy changes and adapts. But I do think that that was a risk for Starmer to have ever really painted himself exactly like that. You know, the Mr. Rules caricature that, you know, the Tories laughed at. But it was incredibly effective against Boris Johnson. You know, over and over again, he could bring up his own personal character in comparisons with Boris Johnson. What a joke. Even now as the latest mealy-mouthed apology stumbles out of one side of his mouth, a new set of deflections and distortions pour from the other. But now, of course, he can't define himself like that against Rishi Sunak because, you know, Sunak is someone who's also tried to model himself, you know, as the great man of integrity who's, who's fixing everything that his predecessors messed up. And I think every time you kind of try and model yourself as that, people will try and find reasons to try and prove why you're not like that. But it's a difficult thing for him to to move on from because I think 
you know, perhaps egotistically, maybe, he deeply believes he is that kind of person. Taking on this more right-wing rhetoric, not only on crime, but also what Labour have said recently about migration. Um, These are not difficult questions. Your leader says, um, we support tagging um, in certain circumstances. I've just, uh, I've just answered that. And did you say yes? yes I shouldn't he was it yes or And we should support them. So the answer is yes, in certain circumstances, you would support I, I, tagging I illegal I Yes, I can't be more... Yeah, I can't be more clear. Also supporting the Conservatives in the ban on laughing gas. What does that tell us about where the Labour Party is right now? Yes, I think that there's... At the moment, you see it, you're seeing quite a remarkable amount of outward unity because of how far the parties are ahead in the polls and because of that kind of loser mentality which says we can't risk anything and we're prepared to put up with an awful lot of things that we don't agree with. And there are obviously people who still feel deeply uncomfortable with Starmer's strategy, particularly those on the left of the party who feel that the left within the party has been actively marginalised, you know, has people who are looking for reasons to try and get rid of left-wing MPs before the next election. And all of that is absolutely true. And so there is an atmosphere of kind of paranoia around people on the left of the party, which means that they probably don't speak out as much as they otherwise would do. But yeah, of course, it's it's fair to say that the right of the party are absolutely in the ascendancy. They control the majority of Labour's National Executive Committee that sets you know, all of the kind of internal party policy. They control almost all the levers of power in the party, you know, from regional level upwards. And they've and they've changed, you know, rules at party conferences to make it almost impossible for the, the left of the party to ever kind of gain the kind of power they, they had under Corbyn. And Starmer seems totally relaxed about all of that. What do you think their next steps will be? Do you think the attacks on Sunak are going to get possibly even more personal? It's it's quite hard to see how you get more personal than than talking about child sexual abuse, but at the, but at the same time I think that you will certainly see attempts to talk more about um Sunak's personal record on tax, on the economy, you know, which is something I think they can really feel you you can directly blame on Sunak. We're looking at the next general election happening possibly next autumn and at the latest by early 2025. How do you think that the Tories are going to seek to characterise Keir Starmer in the run-up to that? The two most damaging things that the Tories have got against him is the fact that he sat in Jeremy Corbyn's shadow cabinet so they can try and associate him with the deeply negative feeling that many of their voters have about Corbyn and the fact that he campaigned for Remain was sort of seen as a face of Remain and of the face of, of, of Labour's eventual turn towards a second referendum. Do you think it's going to get quite nasty then? Is it going to turn completely away from Starmer's promises of honesty and not engaging in fights? I think it so often does. And we haven't even really touched in this conversation about the way that you'd expect the Tories to exploit terrible kind of culture wars issues like trans rights. You'd expect them to get really deeply into those issues as a way to try to embarrass the Labour Party, but of course, which has such strong feelings on both sides and involves people who are extremely vulnerable. And so, yeah, I think that 
the terms in which the next election is going to be fought are going to be quite, quite vicious. Jess, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Jessica Elgott. You can keep up with her reporting and that from the rest of our fabulous Westminster team at theguardian.com. And while I've got you, I want to recommend The Guardian's new podcast series. It's called Cotton Capital, and it traces the newspaper's links to transatlantic slavery. In the second episode, which has come out this week, our colleague Maya Wolf robinson goes to Jamaica to what was once a sugar plantation owned by The Guardian's founder, Sir George Phillips. You can find the episode wherever you got this one, which was produced by Alex Atak and Matthew Murphy. The sound designer was Rudy Zagadlo and the executive producer was Hummer Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.